Hello, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. We're so glad you could join us today. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. And we welcome you all. We'll start this morning with our prayer. I'm reading from page 93 of miscellaneous writings and 228 of Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures by Mary Baker Eddy. Christian science authorizes the logical conclusion drawn from the scriptures that there is in reality none besides the eternal, infinite God good. Nothing inharmonious can enter being for God, for life is God. The enslavement of man is not legitimate. It will cease when man enters into his heritage of freedom, his God-given dominion over the material senses. Mortals will someday assert their freedom in the name of Almighty God. Then they will control their own bodies through the understanding of divine science. Dropping their present beliefs they will recognize harmony as the spiritual reality and discord as material unreality. Mary Baker Eddy. Thank you very much. Okay, Karen, the watching point. Watch number three, 371. Watch that in your work for individuals and the world, you handle the belief of chemicalization. War may result when students work for the world and pour in a sweet consciousness of God's presence and government and then fail to handle chemicalization. We must declare and know that the truth which we reflect goes forth to bless and not in reality to destroy error since there is none to destroy other than in belief. The truth we send out goes forth to feed mankind spiritually, not to harm them. All mankind are ideas of God, and so they receive this truth and love it, and in reality have no mortal thought to be stirred or upset by it. We must know that no one possesses a mortal mind that can oppose truth and that mortal mind does not possess anyone. It is certain that our mental work does feed the world spiritually, that those to whom we send it are blessed thereby, that they develop and grow under it, that they love it naturally, and that it brings peace on earth and goodwill to men. However, we must declare that the action of truth does not aggravate error to anyone's harm, since in reality there is no error to be aggravated, that its action makes man happy and free, that it heals him and purifies him. Under this kind of general treatment, the world is safe, and the work of Christian scientists does not produce chemicalization that may appear as war. Suzetti once said to Gilbert Carpenter, our work does good. We have not the ability or power to do harm. There is no law that can give anyone the power to do harm. God's law is the only law, and that does good, not harm, and can give man only the power to do good, not defeat, but victory. She also said, every true and noble thought helps raise humanity to let the light and lets the light in. Good, thank you. Okay, comments on that. Well, about that last paragraph, I was reading recently, and I'm sorry, I forget which book it was in, but Mrs. Eddy was talking about how she was working with a student and tried to see if she was able to, to actually cause any harm to the student and was not able to. You know, she had progressed to the point where, you know, even saying the words, they did, still didn't have any power over her. So I just mm -hmm. thought that was really interesting. 
It is, yes. Yes. Anyone else? Yeah, this term chemicalization has always, um, it's been confusing to me. Um, I've never really, I don't remember ever being, even in class, um, I don't remember a big, um, I remember being taught really about it very much. So it's, it's, it's been very helpful to just watch for me to think about that and think about what it really is and the article that was put on the website to speak about it. But it's been a term that um, I really haven't understood very well. So I'm, I'm glad to have more understanding about it. Yeah, it's a little like animal magnetism, isn't it? Yeah. The, the result of false belief manifested. But that's how the devil works. It tries to put an image in your consciousness through material means that will cause you to think, aha, so there is a power other than God. So there is something other than good. And that and then and then you get people who don't progress in science and they become superstitious. And they become fearful of quote malpractice. Mm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's all it's it's yeah. in that basket of terms that um, describe um, the effect of false beliefs manifesting themselves, the belief that there is a power other than God. And they all have to be handled. Yeah, and if you pray or, or go after something with this belief that there is a power other than God and you're trying to destroy it, well, you set the battle in array. Mrs. Eddy has said, I acknowledge your claims about error. I acknowledge your claims, but I denounce your power. The claims must be met and, and nullified, but we must never give it power. And this is it's an important watching point because, yes, in our world work, but also in, in talking to someone else, you can sometimes have a chemicalization. Um, you have to make sure this is why I always say pray before you speak, during your speech and afterwards to know it will be accepted in the way in which it was given. And you have to address an error Um because there will there will be a kickback, a chemicalization. Of how dare you say that? And that's not true. And you're not so good. <laughs> All kinds of stuff. It takes it takes courage to speak out and to rebuke an error. We'll get into that more again um, later in the class. The reason we talk about it as much as we do is because it, the the organization has so emphasized the love part that the other part has never been taught properly. And that's why we're in the state. The organization is in the state it is because no one has confronted the era because everyone only wants to talk about love. Again, it's, it's a bit tricky. Uh, I acknowledge your claims, but I denounce your power. You cannot just ignore it and, and go dancing around saying God is love. You have to handle the serpent. You have to take it up and you will find it to be harmless when you do it correctly. But instead, the movement has been left with, as Gary said, the superstition and fear of malpractice. And no one wants to say anything. And um, that's not it either. It's got to be the right sense of it. And with the right sense of it, you walk this earth with total dominion, which is, of course, what we all want. Chardelle? Well, Mrs. Eddy's very clear, I think, which I have learned, that if you don't handle air, it'll handle you. And yes. that's true. Yes, it is. Because I didn't know about that. I didn't know it had to be actually handled specifically. Thank you. I think also um, the very fact, 
this is what has helped me to adhere to the fact that God has all the power. It says on page, the same page 228, there is no power apart from God. Omnipotence has all power. And to acknowledge any other power is to dishonor God. And if I don't want to dishonor God, then it's a struggle, yes, because mortal mind always telling you different things. But stay with the infinitude of this power, always acknowledging only that power. That, and I dwell in that power. We, in uh, Psalm 91, we all told this to always make sure that that's where I dwell. That's where I dwell with it. all that has the power. And so there is no other power. And that really does help. You know, gradually, it becomes more real that all power belongs to God. And if that's where I dwell, then why should I fear? That's exactly right. And that is wielding the sword of truth with courage. Good example of that was David and Goliath. He knew the power. Okay. He challenged what, um, you know, that, oh, how dare you defy God himself. And I don't think it's possible to have the right sense of handling chemicalization until you learn to handle it in yourself. Have you ever been rebuked and risen up in, in defiance and think, well, how dare? Hera hmm. doesn't like the discussion. How, how dare he or she say that about me? Hmm. Have you ever felt chemicalization in yourself, roiling up, pride rearing up out of rebuke? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That that yeah. yeah, you have to you have to recognize chemicalization in yourself and see what it is and handle it in yourself before you can handle it um on a universal basis. Because it is the pride, the arrogance of the human mind rearing up at its at the destruction of of its false beliefs. And yeah. when you can when you can see in yourself the error rearing up and have the humility to accept the correction, the rebuke, whatever, and see it as coming from love, then you can begin to handle chemicalization for the rest of the world. This is addressed in uh, Retrospection and Introspection, page 80, where Mrs. Eddy says, Though the divine rebuke is effectual to the pulling down of sin's strongholds, it may stir the human heart to resist truth before this heart becomes obediently receptive of the heavenly discipline. If the Christian scientists recognize the mingled sternness and gentleness which permeate justice and love, he will not scorn the timely reproof, but will so absorb it that this warning will be within him a spring, welling up into unceasing spiritual rise and progress. Patience and obedience win the golden scholarship of experimental tuition. The kindly shepherd of the East carries his lambs in his arms to the sheep cut, but the older sheep, pass into the fold under his compelling rod. He who sees the door and turns away from it is guilty, while innocence strayeth yearningly. Someone once asked me recently, did I ever did I ever get my feelings hurt when I was rebuked? And I was rebuked a lot often. And I said, all the time. I don't know, there are many times I would cry myself to sleep. The, these two paragraphs helped me a lot. To control that it, it's your pride that's rebuked, you, you know, rises up immediately, um, and it's your pride that rebels, I should say. But if you can take it, you will grow to, to great heights. And this is important in this lesson because this lesson brings out heaven on earth. If you don't take it, then you, you tend to just stagnate or even go backwards. 
and, you know, rough, rump, 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 instead of <laughs> taking it and growing, even if the rebuke is unmerited. What does Mrs. Eddy say about that? It's something like he listens to what is said and takes only that which um, is merited. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. She said, if it's merited, I will accept it and change. And if it's not merited, I will drop it. Yes. You let it roll off you like a, a, a water off a duck's back. The thing is, if you react, that shows you the person who's rebuking you has hit the sinew of the error. If you react and rebel against it, Ooh, you got it. Okay, that's the problem. That's what needs correction. That's what needs softening. Um, that beautiful statement also in prose works about where she says a character subdued, you know, the whole list of beautiful things that she yeah. said. Um, yeah. But we work on. Um, also, I brought this out before, but the mother church over the readers the engraved in stone from science and health when error confronts you, withhold not the rebuke or the explanation which destroys error. Never breathe an immortal atmosphere unless an attempt to purify it. And from the Bible, 2 Timothy, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. That is in the extension. It isn't in the original. It's God is love. But in the extension, she... It's carved in stone above the reader's desk. Does anyone pay attention to it or notice it? I don't think so. Now, this brings us to Linda's forum contribution. Um, I was responding to the science and health statement from our lesson that said, heaven is not a locality, but a divine state of mind in which all the manifestations of mind are harmonious and immortal because sin is not there. And man is found having no righteousness of his own, but in possession of the mind of the Lord, as the scripture says. And then uh, I went and... Looked up. Uh, oh, I know. I came across where Mrs. Eddy wrote. Uh, do you want me to read this? I, this was, yes. I thought, very powerful. It was from Pantheism. I was reading my daily prose work, and it said, Exhortation. Beloved brethren, the love of our loving Lord was never more manifest than in its stern condemnation of all error wherever found. I counsel thee, rebuke, and exhort one another. Love all Christian churches for the gospel's sake, and be exceedingly glad that the churches are united in purpose, if not in method, to close the war between the flesh and spirit, and to fight the good fight till God's will be witnessed and done on earth as in heaven. The end quote. And then I looked up the exhorts, and that says to advise, to warn, to caution. And then... Uh, I don't know where I got the idea. Where this, oh, stern. I think she said yeah, up yeah, there. Stern. And stern, because I thought that was an interesting word. And the definition of stern was austere, severity, and authority. A stern countenance, severe in manner, rigid, harsh, cruel, hard, and afflictive. That's from the Webster's Dictionary. And then uh, Mrs. Eddy tells us we, we are to be on... In Science and Health, quote, and we solemnly promise to watch and pray for that mind to be in us, which is also in Christ Jesus, end quote. So, I, you know, we're all going to have to be austere, severe, and authority, and harsh toward error. Toward error. We have yeah. to be. You can't go get around it. And, you know, I, I started off never wanting to do that, and I never did do it. I had to learn to do it, be stern with my own self. Right. But then I see the necessity of it. And when people are new in the science and they're lambs, yes, you treat them with great tenderness. But as they grow and, and, and when error begins to show itself, then that error must be rebuked. And it's not person. I never see it as person. What, how I see it is if those thoughts were coming in my mind, if, if those actions were 
were me, how would I deal with it? And usually it's fast and swift and stern (laughs) because you can't be nice to it. Shut the door. So now our subject this week, by the way, is reality. How to be, how to get into the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to play, I'll call it a little game called connecting the dots. All right. So, because I hear this a lot, a lot, and no one has to feel bad about any of this. This is all impersonal. But you'll have someone, you know, lifelong scientist, class taught, all this kind of thing, reading often that we are the children of God, right? Our parent is father, mother, God, okay? But then, oh, People in my family have died of this dread disease, quote, dread disease. You know, they've had this, that, next thing. My aunt, my mother, my brother. Oh, now, do you see the disconnect? Do you see the dots are not being connected there? Absolutely. So how do you connect the dots from what you read to how you think and live? If you're really knowing that there's only one source from from where we all come from, you know, we are all the manifestation of this one source, God, then then it's connected, I feel. Thank you. Your mother, father is God. Your inheritance is all good. It is the only inheritance. You wipe out the belief that anyone in your family have ever passed on from any, quote, dread disease, whatever you want to name that, fill in the blanks there. Um, you wipe it out and you are swift and you are quick and you are stern and adamant. You don't fool with those thoughts. So if I hear someone voicing something like that, that is how I am, especially if they've been in science for years and years and years, because I can't allow it into my thought. What does Mrs. Eddie say about heredity? It's not law. It's not law. And if it's not law, it's nothing useful. It's nothing good. Nothing. It is nothing. It is a false belief that has been put into operation in a dream world, in a dream world, not the truth, never touched anyone. Now, Another example of connecting the dots, you read over and over, you know, the beautiful readings Wednesday from Amanda about God is love and loving our brothers as ourselves. And then, whoops, <laughs> I can't stand or, you know, this person really annoys me or whatever. <laughs> this resentment coming out. Where's the connecting of the dots? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, you're not connecting if you're doing that, if you're doing both, you know, you're saying all these is and then you're a big one for me was indifference. You know, you're indifferent to such and such or indifferent to such and such, just just as bad, you know. So it is indifference. Mrs. Evans taught us that is just as bad as hate. It could be worse. The term that comes to me is self-justification, which is the adamant of error, Mr. Zeddy says. So anytime we feel justified in our feelings about any, you know, any negative feeling, but we feel justified in it because of something that somebody has said or done, that's the adamant of error, she says. It's just, that's a very strong term. <laughs> right, yes. right, because justice belongs where? Um, God. Yeah, exactly. Justice belongs to God, and divine justice is far more severe and far swifter than human justice. Yes, we we leave it to God, and sometimes you truly have to wrestle with yourself to get over these false beliefs. You have to wrestle and, and smack them down. And this is where the toughness, the rebuke, all of this has to come in. I, For years, I tried to be nice to error in myself and in others, and I was miserable and eaten alive. 
not a good place. It was through Mrs. Evans' teaching, who was tough as could be, um, that I learned this other part of the science that must be learned. And it comes with the greatest compassion. Because I'm telling you, I can give a rebuke and have, I have no rancor in it. And I feel the greatest sense of compassion for whoever I talk to. Now, on the other hand, if I don't give the rebuke and I let it go on and on and on, then inside I am churning and churning and churning. So that's not love, is it? No. 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 It's better to do it and then and then have you get overcome with compassion for the person. Also, because you know how you struggled with it, how long it took you to get over these things. And and yes, the compassion, not sympathy, but compassion, lifting them up and out of it. And I think it's important to realize that a, a loving rebuke, it sounds interesting, yes. a loving rebuke rebukes the error. That's it. I, I, you know, in, in watching The Chosen again, I see how Jesus, he rebukes, but then off, that's it. In moment, to the error, that's it. Yes. Otherwise, you, you have to be cautious not to be angry, continue to be angry at the person, then, then you really haven't rebuked lovingly the way it should be. Well, that's it, and and that's when you when you do it quickly and 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 take care of it, then that's how it is. It's only when you let it go on and on. And I've done that was my mode of operation. It wasn't that I was being so loving; I was repressing all my feelings, and it was turning. And then finally, if it ever did come out, it was very nasty, very hateful, very resentful, and it was a mess. But if you see a person wronging you in any way they're handled by a they're handled by a belief and if out of love for them you rebuke the error you keep rebuking it until they are no longer handled by it and when they are no longer handled by it you drop it yeah because yeah. the healing has been made and you can drop it. But you can only you can only know when to drop it if you start out of love for that person. And if they've done you the worst wrong that anybody could ever do to you, it's going to be hard to rebuke the error out of love for them. But you have to. For your sake and for their sake. If you don't, you, know, you believe in as well the, the error. Oh, you're yeah, believing you know, the you, error. You think it's them. You've been sucked down into the mud, mm -hmm. and you're of no. You're use. bearing false witness at that point. Yes, yes, definitely. Thank you. You are. You're thinking, and you're holding it in it in them. But we go over this a lot because these are the very fine nuances that have to be understood. That's why the why people get so boggled up in their understanding of science because they haven't understood this um, myself included and it, it are things that do not happen overnight you've got to keep working at it and and you'll get where you feel more confident in it and you'll feel it's not you working but a greater power and that's very important recently I've been having to work with Mrs. Evan gave us I refuse to hold anybody in my consciousness as less than a child of God, and I refuse for them to hold me in their consciousness less than a child of God. Yeah. And that's helped me because, and I think it helped the other, other people also, because it helped me set that standard and not drift, and then expect it on the other side too. Thank you. Thank you. And all of this is very important right now because, as you know, it would seem like the this chem this watching point talks about war, the chemicalization revving up in uh, Eastern Europe. And this is why we must meet it, not as a a terrible era that we are combating, but as 
animal magnetism trying to make us believe that there is a power apart from God, a person apart from God, a place apart from God, a thing apart from God, and there is no such thing. Jeremy? Oh, I just wanted to say about this, learning more about Mrs. Eddy's life has really helped me a lot with this because Mrs. Eddy was presented with a lot of situations that were quite difficult and she got through them very well, much, I, I know much better than I would have. So seeing, you know, seeing that has really helped me a lot. So very grateful for that. Yeah, thank you. And that's why the great importance of the Carpenter books. And also, I think it's her great love for God. I mean, she loved God so much, knew that the only power there is is God, and God is love. And that love for God, I feel, helps you to uh, you know, rebuke anything that would dare say it's all Yeah. The offense be to God that there's something that is not of God, and you can't allow it. And in the recent lesson, but it talks about rebuking error and establishing the claims of God, that the, the playing field must be cleared. And then and then we establish the claims of God. Then we bring heaven on earth. Um, it uh, In the responsive reading, it talks about the, the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. And um, Carrie sent me this article um it's called from our exchanges anyway september 15th 1906 issue i guess of the sentinel it says the greatest punishments incurred by sin consist in the loss of spiritual ability hmm. god does not need to set up any external bars to prevent us from entering upon the possessions and advantages due only to the righteous the prohibition lies in the soul of the unrighteous man himself. He cannot appropriate the things which are the rewards of virtue. He lacks the faculty for doing so. When Jesus said to Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It was saying that man who is not spirit born is incapable of knowing what the kingdom of God is. No gates and walls shut him out of the kingdom. It lies all about him. He simply cannot see it. Paul pointed to the same law when he said, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, and he cannot know them because they are spiritually discerned. This is the dreadful retribution of an unspiritual life. The whole world of spiritual things is made indiscernible. When other people talk about them to the natural man, they seem like foolishness, vain imaginings and delusions. He smiles incredulously or contemptuously. Unconscious that he is blind, he denies the reality of things which other people having spiritual sight declare they see. And throughout the whole range of spiritual life, the man of carnal nature cannot enter into the experiences of the Christian. That gracious heavenly light that sometimes, quote, surprises the Christian as he prays, end quote, never breaks upon him. So you see how it's all, it, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is within you. It's all within you. And that's why we have to wrestle with anything that would try to keep us from that kingdom. And that's why you can be grateful for rebukes <laughs> because it <clears throat> cracks down on what would keep you from having the kingdom of heaven here right now. When I used to get a rebuke, I could feel myself like tensing up inside. And I learned, I would say, thank God this person loves me to correct me. And after that, I was, I had to do it for a while, but after a while, I was able to take the corrections. Uh, yeah, when you see it and can be grateful for it, then, then that helps a lot. You know, another thing, what happened to me early on 
was getting getting the rebuke or going through things here and then just having the basic thought like you know maybe i maybe i'm not worthy to be here don't deserve to be here but that's not true for anyone so no and that that's you know that's a little uh, self-pity you know, that's that's one of the selves. And you see, you don't recognize it like that. It seems perfectly logical. Oh, I'm no good. I can't be here. But no, you're feeling sorry for yourself for pitiful, for pitiful me. Sympathy for the era. Sympathy for the era. And, and that's and that that's why Mrs. Eddy says excuses are intolerable. You can't squirm out of this. <laughs> Try as you might. You can't squirm out of it. And we are. You know, it ultimately gets down. We we are our consciousness. It's our consciousness that matters. What are we filling our consciousness with? Are, are we filling it with the love of God and the love of our fellow man and the love of what God really, in fact, is? Or are we filling it with illusion? Hatred, lust, envy, jealousy. I mean, you know, what are we filling our consciousness with? Because what is in our consciousness is who we are in belief. And if our consciousness is filled with reality, then, then we are living the life that is godlike. Then we feel reality then we are in the kingdom of heaven and, and, and we're conscious of it yes and we can bring others into it as well and it is so wonderful um i often get asked the question are there any other independent churches and i always say not that i know of so but i got an interesting email this week um i won't say who it's from i will say it it's from mexico and um She's wanting to join the church, but she had a concern because she was excommunicated. Of course, that's not a concern in our church. But she writes this. Well, That's a badge of honor. It's a badge of honor. I was also excommunicated from the mother church years ago. Why? For following the practitioner who founded an independent church in Mexico City. I never knew this. Here already existed the first Church of Christ scientists, but it did not function well. A lot of pride, coldness, hardness, classism, racism, belief in the superiority of certain nationalities. The control of the church was divided among three families, one American, one German, and one Mexican. One of the three practitioners in the church rebelled against these eras. Eventually, the board of directors removed her from the church, claiming that she did not obey the manual, which was partly true, but I also believe that the era felt very uncomfortable with her because she did a lot of healings and a lot of people followed her. For many members, this was an injustice. So when she left the church, other people left the church with her, about 25 of us. We started with a new church, and at the beginning, everything went well. The group grew to almost 60 people, but the chemicalization, here we go, started in some of them, and they started leaving the church to return to the first church. There we were accused of not strictly following Christian science, and the gossip reached Boston. And from there we were all excommunicated. Laugh out loud. <laughs> I didn't mind because I've always thought that excommunications are the work of men, not of God. I finally see that it was a blessing because I was free and could continue to pursue Christian science and learn some of the unauthorized literature that came into my hands. Finally, when I could see no lighthouse on the horizon, I arrived at the Plainfield Harbor. Hallelujah. <laughs> As for our independent church, it's a long story. After we were excommunicated, we registered our group with the name Church of the Science of the Christ. To make a long story short, I can tell you that the practitioner did a great job in the early days. We had many demonstrations. But one mistake was that the members personalized the Christ in her too much, which she in turn encouraged, and we became lazy. Animal magnetism manifested in itself in many ways in the church, such as laziness, lust, 
dishonesty, gossip, division, Catholicism within the church until the church lost most of its members and practically collapsed. Many mistakes were made in the conception of what Christian science is and what a church means. Gilbert Carpenter describes them very well in The Watching Points and in the book Mary Baker Eddy, Her Spiritual Footsteps. Over time, several members left Christian Science, sadly, and others returned to the first church. My friend was also there, but she went back to her country, where she tried to establish a Christian Science Society, which did not prosper either. So, you see, unless you really learn to know the science, unless you have these wonderful, quote, unauthorized books, which we were so blessed with, that explains so much. The person that wrote this to me, she had translated all of the watching points, 500 watching points, into Spanish. And watches prayers and arguments, too. And watches oh. prayers and arguments, too. So she deeply took in these truths, which combs out your snarls. <laughs> but all of these are dangers that can happen to any church, including ours. And that's why we must always be alert. That's why we have our roundtables, our Bible studies, why we do the watches, why we try to let everyone participate as much as possible and as much as you want to and as much as you're deserving to so that uh, it's not a church of one person. Um, certainly the practitioners play a very important part, but all of you are very important. All of you are. And this is the only way we've been able to continue. And we almost crashed and burned because in some ways, the way she described the practitioner, where they personalized her, people got lazy. The practitioner encouraged that personalization. It leads to disaster. I think one thing to really remember, everybody, why am I here? Because God sent me. It wasn't an accident. God sent me here. Okay, why am I here, God? <laughs> thank you Bill. Yeah. thank you yeah so. and if one thing that occurs to me that is if you go independent you still have to handle what boston did not in 1910 you still have to go through that too oh absolutely and even more so thank you absolutely and what was that obeying the manual <laughs> right obeying the manual Obeying Mrs. Eddie, following our leader as she followed Christ. Mm -hmm. All of it. All of it. The estoppel clauses. All of it. And so what we have here, and it, and it happened in a good procession, I guess I will say, you know, one thing after the next. So we were able to ground ourselves and learn, and we were able to face the animal magnetism that was directed at us. Because what happens when you don't, understand how to handle it, 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 as was said, it'll handle you and it'll cause you to fall. But when you progress, you grow in strength and understanding and whatever comes to you, you're able to deal with it. And we found out, so it helps, that it wasn't personal. But the unity and the keeping the message about what's coming to people, we realize, ah, this is not about me. Exactly. You know, and, and, and it was so much easier to deal with, you know, because of that. Oh, absolutely. No, that's a good point, Craig, because, you know, we, we have to always remember we're dealing with a science here. We're not dealing with a human organization. We're not dealing with a church. We're not dealing with a religion in the human concept of religion. We're dealing with a science. This is this this is the science of Christianity. These are the laws that govern the universe. And and it's it's a rebuke to all human so-called laws, to all material beliefs about physics, chemistry, biology. It's a step above all of those things that so many people think are true and, you know, build careers around and depend upon for their income. So it's a, it's a challenge to the status quo. 
And if you're not willing to grow above the status quo, buck the tide, buck the tide, and be a pioneer in the true sense of the word, then you, you, you know, then you don't have the courage or the love to carry on. You have to love the truth more than anything else. You have to love, and, and that's what it means to love God and to have one God. Not make anything else a God. If you love the truth so much that you're willing to stand up for it under any circumstances, then you'll be of use. And, and you know, all the false beliefs in the world are going to come at you <laughs> in one way or another. But the truth will stand with you if you stand for the truth. And that's the level of faith that we have to have to be real Christian scientists. I love the logo of the chosen. The fish swimming the opposite direction oh, yeah, right. of all the other fish. I, I, as, as Gary was talking, I was thinking about that. It, it's, so, it's such a visual picture. Of what those who follow the Christ are doing, you know, we're not going with the ebb and flow and how the fish slowly, some of them keep turning. And I realized, yeah, that's, that's what we are. We're, uh, we're, this is Mary Baker Eddie. She, her, even her name, you know, Eddie, <laughs> we're yeah. going, you know, against the, it's against the general. <laughs> yes. Local is very Thank you. And that's why you have to be equipped to handle what comes. Yeah. Lawrence? Well, um, I wanted to get in briefly. We're coming to a close soon, but about repenting. Um, Karen, you wrote about repent. Yes. Barnes, um, in the quote, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And in Barnes' notes of the Bible, it said, Repent ye. Repentance implies sorrow for past offenses, a deep sense of the evil of sin as committed against God, and a full purpose to turn from transgression and to lead a holy life. A true repentant has sorrow for sin, not only because it is ruinous to his soul, but chiefly because it is an offense against God. It is produced by seeing the great danger and misery to which it exposes us, by seeing the justice and holiness of God. There are two words in the New Testament translated repentance, one of which denotes a change of mind or a reformation of life, the other sorrow or regret that sin has been committed. The word used here is the former, calling the Jews to a change of life or a reformation of conduct. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The phrases kingdom of heaven, kingdom of Christ, kingdom of God are of frequent occurrence in the Bible. They all refer to the same thing. The prophets hold, had told of a successor to David that would sit on his throne. The Jews expected a great national deliverer. The language in which they were accustomed to describe this event was retained by our Savior and his apostles. Yet they early attempted to correct the common notions respecting his reign. This was one design, doubtless, of John in preaching repentance. Instead of summoning them to military exercises and collecting an army, which would have been in accordance with the expectations of the nation, he called them to a change of life, to the doctrine of repentance, a state of things far more accordant with the approach of a kingdom of purity. And then I ended with, uh, in accordance with the teaching of our master. Um, Mrs. Eddie says, well, well, I forgot. As that kingdom was one of purity, it was proper that the people should prepare themselves for it by turning from their sins and by bringing their hearts into a state of suitable to his reign. And then Mrs. Eddie says in Science and Health, thy kingdom is come, thou art ever present. 
Yes, and the, and this is reality. But you see, you have to be willing to give up this false beliefs um, and repent. That means completely change. Carrie also sent an article called Repent Ye, where it says, in plain English, repenting means a complete change in one's basis of thinking. And that's what we often talk about, a change of basis from the material to the spiritual. That one is looking at things from the wrong angle. You're looking at it from material sense, rather from your spiritual sense. And the human mind is always wrong. It's always a murderer. And so it must be repented of. Pond and purpose. Study that. Give it, you know, change. See the the era of your ways, learn to loathe it, and put on the mantle of truth, and and find yourself in the kingdom of God, which is your true reality. And that's not that's why we exist. It's why we exist. It is why we exist, and it's a wonderful existence. There's not a reason not to love it, because <laughs> it's wonderful. All right, and we will end now with also something Carrie has sent. This is an article entitled Entertaining Angels Unawares by Nellie Mitchell from uh, an old sentinel, I guess. To entertain anyone who is in our home, we need to remain at home, to be at home. We cannot entertain anyone if there if we are in some other city or state. Man's spiritual home is in mind with a capital M, by the way, in God. And to entertain angels unawares, we need to always be at home in mind. We must continue constantly to realize that man is spiritual and dwelling in the divine mind. It is only when realizing this wonderful truth that we can feel the presence of angels and that we can entertain them. Angels are ever guarding our every footstep telling us how best to do our work, where God needs us most, and always shielding us from harm. They are the messengers of divine principle who governs man. When we have such visitants as these, should we not always desire, even yearn, to be found at home so as to entertain them? It is by being at home to angels that we find ourselves in heaven. And the truth of this latter statement will be recognized by reading Mrs. Eddy's definition of heaven on page 587 of Science and Health. Quote, Harmony, the reign of spirit, government by divine principle, spirituality, bliss, the atmosphere of soul. End quote. It is only by being guided by these angels, making me pure and perfect, and making me useful to God, that I can express my gratitude to the world for the pure life of Mrs. Eddy and for Christian science. So welcome to heaven. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.